Okay, we are continuing in our sermon series on um, the Sermon on the Mount. We're making our way through, and we are up to Matthew 6, 19 to 24. Um, this is, you know, as we've been talking about, this is um, God's, uh, you know, Christ's um, words to his community, to people that want to follow him, to people that are being transformed into his image. Um, as, as we've been walking through, we've been talking about all these different parts of the Sermon on the Mount and all these ways that we can live as God's people in this very, very different sort of way, that if we would live like this, um, that we would store up treasures in heaven, uh, that we would be a different kind of people, and that we would be even a different community that's, uh, that's never existed before. Um, I had, you know, when you're in seminary, you have like two sermons, and I preached them a lot. I preached them over and over. There's a, there's a joke that, you know, it's like a they, they would give us $50 when we would preach in all these different churches, and that was like a $500 sermon, because I preached it 10 times, all these different places. And you preach it in class, and people give you feedback, and, and you hope that it gets a little bit better. But I had two sermons. One was on the Lord's Prayer, and one was on you know, money and possessions. And I remember it was called, it was called Packing Light, and it was about my friend who, uh, you know, um, the example that I used was when my friend uh, hiked the Appalachian Trail, and he, he only had like five pounds on his back because he was this ultra-light hiker. And uh, it was, you know, just don't let money and possessions, don't let the stuff of this world cling to you as you uh, walk through. And I remember I preached it in seminary, and one of my classmates said, you did a really good job of not making me feel guilty about money. And, you know, I think with so many sermons about money or possessions, pastors can sort of heap guilt and regret onto people, and they can say, well, you've got to do more, you're not giving enough, all these sorts of things. And as we look at God's word this morning, I hope that you hear it uh, as good news, uh, as encouragement, maybe, maybe as challenge, they're difficult words from God, but never as shaming or, or as, uh, as something that's... Um, that makes you feel bad about uh, you know, the money you have, the possessions you have, or what you have or have not done in giving to the Lord. So let's look at this passage, Matthew 6, 19 to 24. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
So I remember uh, when I was, I was 23, I was fresh out of college. I had my, my first job, you know, as a part-time uh, music director at a church. And then I worked at a coffee shop. I probably, you know, I had no money. I probably had $1,000 a month. And most of that went to my rent and my food. And I was, I was young and dumb. Some of you think I'm still young and dumb. But I was really young and dumb then. And I decided that it would be a great, I was, I was dating this young woman and I really wanted to impress her. This is what was like our third or fourth date. And so I took all the money that I had to my name. It was like, like $300 maybe. And I bought front row tickets to the Simon and Garfunkel concert. I was, this, was the, this was their reunion tour in 2003. I'm not old enough to have seen them, you know, like in the 60s. But they, they got back together. And I, um, you know, I spent all the money for the tickets. We, we, we got in my car. We drove a couple of hours over there. We saw the concert. It was, uh, it was pretty disappointing. Uh, during Bridge Over Troubled Water, Art Garfunkel couldn't hit the high notes anymore. And it was just like, it was, they were a shadow of their former selves. And when I was driving home, I got that sick feeling in my stomach, like, now I've got no money. I'm pretty sure this girl's going to break up with me next week. And it's awkward silence the, the whole two hours back. And it was like all, all my money, all my worldly possessions went to serve this, this unholy trinity. The unholy trinity of like, you know, music and entertainment and thinking that that was going to satisfy me. And then this, this relationship and then the expectations of other people, you know, just wanting to say that we, we went to this, we had this incredible experience, and that sort of thing. And it left me so empty. And I was thinking, what, you know, what have I done? Why was I so stupid? Why did I do this to try to impress this person? Well, you know, now 20 years later, I can look back and say, I did it because money is a great servant but a terrible master. You know, I was mastered by money, and I thought that money was going to get me these things that I wanted, and yet it just, it just let me down. Money is, is a great thing when we can use it to serve, to provide for our family, to do good things, to share with people who are in need, to build up God's kingdom. But when we are mastered by money, when we submit to that, our lives are destroyed. We turn in on ourselves. We become selfish. Money is a great servant, but it's a terrible master. So this morning, we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at where, what, and who. First, we're going to look at where. Where is your lamp? You know, how do you see? That's the middle section. And then we're going to look at what. What is your treasure? What is your treasure, Jesus is asking. And then third, we're going to look at who. Who is your master? Who are you really serving, God or money? Money is capitalized for a reason. Where, what, and who. So first, where is your lamp? I wanted to start with the, the middle section verses 22 to 23, because it can kind of be confusing. When I was looking over these verses again, 
uh, at the beginning of the week, I thought, you know, Jesus talks about money here and here, but then why is he talking about light and darkness, whether he can see, whether you can't see, whether your eyes are healthy or whether they're not healthy? What does that have to do with anything? Well, Jesus is saying that money can blind us, that money can prevent us from seeing the things that we need to see. He, he, he lays it out. He says, you know, if you can see, if you can see, you're good. And, you know, light, if it's dark, you'll, you'll still see a little bit. But if your eyes are unhealthy, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how bright the room is. You're still not going to be able to see. And the, the words that are used for, for healthy and unhealthy in the original language, they actually mean generous and stingy. If your eyes are generous, if you're looking to how you can share with other people, then they're healthy. If it's stingy, it's unhealthy. Jesus is saying that money can blind us. It can blind us to its influence in our lives. You know, money is part of our daily existence. It's the currency by which, you know, we're paid, we're compensated for the work that we do or perhaps for the work that we've done in retirement. And, you know, we use it to, to purchase things. And it's a, it's a really common occurrence on, this, on a surface level. We talk about money. We talk about how expensive things are and, and, and different products. There's all these different levels. And yet, money can blind us. You know, 10 or 15 years ago, you used to get in the mail an account statement, and it would say, this is how much money you have, these are the checks that you wrote, all these sorts of things, and you balance your checkbook. Well, nowadays, it's, it's all online, it's on the computer, it's on the phone. And so, if you're worried about money, if you're concerned, if you're worried about how your portfolio's doing, if it's up or down, if you're worried about what's in your checking account, you can pull out your phone and you can look at it. And you can always be worried every day. So somewhere between checking your accounts once a month and checking your account several times a day, it crosses into this worry about money. And what did Jesus say? Do not worry. Do not worry. God, your Father, takes care of the birds of the air. He clothes um, the flowers. Surely, little flock, he will take care of you. But how do, we, you know, how do we know when we've crossed that line? How do we know when we've crossed that line to being good stewards, to being people that are, that are paying attention, that are taking care of what God's given us, to people that are being greedy, people that are holding too much for ourselves, people that are looking to our money to give us something that it was never intending to give. Jesus said, watch out. Watch out. Luke 12, 35, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Money can blind us to its influence. All, all these other sins that Jesus warned about, you know, we know when we're doing them. You know when you're telling a lie. You know when you've lost your temper and, and, you've gone, and you've gotten angry. 
You know when you're having an affair, but you don't always know when you're being greedy, when you're focusing too much on money. Greed is sneaky. Greed sneaks up on us. And this this warning, what Jesus said, it's not just for, for rich people. You know, that's part of the way that money blinds us is we say, well, you know, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. We all know people who do better than us, than have more than us. And sometimes we push it to them. Well, they should do that. They should give to this cause. They should take care of this. But I've known poor people who store up treasures on earth because they look to the little that they have for their, for their meaning. It's their treasure. And I've known very rich people who are storing up treasures in heaven because it's just money to them. They haven't set their hearts upon it. That's what Jesus is talking about. I spend a lot of time walking around my house in the dark. You know, almost every night I'm maybe up reading or watching sports or something and the kids are in bed and I'm walking around my house and it's dark. And if I don't use the little flashlight on my phone, I'm liable to slam my shins into some furniture or trip over something. The place is dark. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, I'm the light. Be reflective. Be wise. Live with money how, I, how I've called you to. Don't look to money to give you something that only I can give you. This is what Jesus is warning us against. Where is your lamp? Don't be blind to the way that money wants to master us. Then, what is your treasure? Let's go back to verses 19 to 21, where Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. He's saying, don't, don't hoard treasures on earth. Don't, don't store them up. You know, how do we do this? We, we spend all that we get on ourselves. And that reveals the selfishness of our own hearts. Jesus is saying, don't, don't trust in these things because they're gone, they're here one minute and they're gone the next. You know, for them, it was moths. <laughs> you know, clothing was so expensive back then. It was way more expensive than now. And you'd have one coat for your entire life. And if the moths didn't eat it, you'd pass it down to your children. Jesus is saying, that's not the most valuable thing. A moth is going to eat that. And there's rust and there's all these factors in nature that destroy the things that you have. Today, we have security cameras, we have alarm system, we have deadbolts, we have all these things, and we still can't prevent people from stealing from us. Occasionally, we've all been taken from. What would it have been like for the first hearers to live in these situations with little security? You know, I think about times, that, you know, villages that I've visited, in, uh, in Mexico, that there's no bars on the window, there's, there's no locks on the doors. That's what it was like for them. And any thief, any person out for their own gain could come and could take from them. And then, where are you? If you've looked for that, to, to that thing to give you meaning, to give you security, to give you value, what happens when it's gone? Jesus says, don't 
store up treasures on earth, but do store up treasures in heaven. Stockpile treasures in heaven. <laughs> now, what are, what are those things? Uh, you know, I might be a romantic, but I still think that there's going to be people that we meet in heaven that are going to say, I'm here because you shared God's love with me, because you shared the gospel with me, because you gave to a missionary or to a mission or to a church that helped me to see the light of Christ. Giving to, to stockpile treasures in heaven, that's what it's about. It's about eternal things, things that make an eternal difference. Missionaries and church plans and churches and Bible societies and rescue missions that help people move from a life of, of, of alcohol and being down and out to finding hope in Christ. It's the eternal things. It's relationships. I, uh, I had a friend back in 2008 when you know, the stock market took a huge dive, when house, the housing bubble burst. I had a friend who was planting a church, and he was... Um, he was, he was a pretty funny guy. He was pretty confident. But he went around telling everybody, the best investment you can make right now, the safest investment, is in my church plant. The stock market goes up and down. Housing goes up and down. But you sow money into a church plant. And, and you see God multiply it. And you see God change lives. I think there's, there's something to that. When what we have is sown into the kingdom of God, God multiplies it. God uses it. And the kingdom of God is eternal. Jesus is very strong about this. You know, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what does he mean? Treasure means those, those things that we just spend money so easily. Money just sort of flies out of our pocket because we, we love those things or we love those people. And Jesus is saying, if God isn't at the center of that for you, then you're missing out. Then you're being distracted. You know, humanity, humanity is one long story of people trying to buy heaven right now. You know, we're trying to bring heaven to earth and to get these experiences that God has put in our hearts to only be filled with him. So we try adventures and worldwide travel. You know, some people even buy jets and all these sorts of things. But it never satisfies because our hearts were made for a better adventure. Some people look their whole lives for love and so they, they, they spend a lot of money on themselves to, to, to be fit, to, be, to have a certain look, to have the right clothes, to present themselves in a certain way. Because they think if they just find that one person, then life will be complete. And yet here's God, all the time offering himself to us. And we talk about grace, and we talk about the free gift of salvation so often that we forget you know, the economic language, that it's free that Jesus has already paid the price, that it's a gift that's given to us. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What is your treasure? And then last, 
Who is your master? Jesus says no one can serve two masters. It's a statement of fact. You know, money is capitalized in our Bibles because it's like a false god. It's, it's, it's like Baal in the Old Testament or all these other false gods. People sacrifice a lot of things to it. But it never gives back. The old translation, maybe some of you are familiar, it said you cannot serve God and mammon. That's this Aramaic word that means, you know, money and possessions. But it's, it's capitalized for a reason. You know, that's why I said at the beginning, money is a great servant and a terrible master. When, when, when we know that money is just money, we can use it for amazing things. We can bless people. We can accumulate treasures in heaven. We can give. But Jesus is saying, watch out. Be careful, because money will use you. You'll work your whole life in a job that you hate just for the money. You'll try to impress friends that you don't even like for money. The actor Jim Carrey said, I hope everyone could get rich and have everything they dreamed of so that they will know it's not the answer. So that they will know it's not the answer. That's a profound statement because a lot of people spend their life trying to get just a little more. What's beyond their reach? And they keep striving and they run on this treadmill and they realize that even if they got it, they wouldn't be happy, they wouldn't be complete because God has made us for himself. The most important question is really, who do you treasure? Who do you treasure? You know, when we make treasures in heaven our ultimate treasure, it can't be taken away from us, and money is just money. And in order to sort of relocate our, um, our treasure from over here, you know, on worldly things, to move it over to here on Christ, we have to make a switch. And we have to realize, who does Christ treasure? He treasures us. What did Christ do for us? He left heaven. He left all the riches of heaven. I'm not just talking about the things in the book of Revelation, you know, the streets paved with gold and the mansions and all that stuff. He was at the right hand of God. He had a, you know, that relationship with God. And Jesus put all of that away and he was born into poverty. He was born in a manger. He was born to two people that didn't have enough money to give at his dedication. They gave two small pigeons. That was for people that were impoverished. And Jesus lived his whole life like that. He didn't have a place to lay his head. And he gave up all those riches of heaven and he became poor and impoverished. Why? For you. For me. Jesus makes us his treasure. The ultimate thing. And Jesus went to the cross and surrendered his life and was, was killed, was murdered, bled and died for us because we're his treasure. We're his priceless treasure. 
And Jesus did that so that we could have a relationship with him. And that's, that's the answer to life. You know, every day people are going around trying to buy fulfillment, trying to buy contentment, trying to buy happiness. And we were just barraged online and on television with ads. This thing will make us happy. That thing will make us happy. And it's all a lie. Only God can make us happy. Only when you understand that Jesus has made you his treasure and given up everything for you. Will you make him your treasure? That free gift that Jesus offers of himself, that we could have a relationship with the creator of the universe and we don't have to pay for it. We don't have to buy it. It's free. It's a gift from Jesus. And we would never have to make another purchase to fill some hole in our heart or to make ourselves feel better. It's all been given to us, everything that we need. And money is just money. And when it's not your God, you can do incredible things with it. You can do wonderful things. There's, um, I chose the song that we're going to sing in a couple minutes here because it was the song that we sang when we collected our offering in the church that I grew up in. Give thanks with a grateful heart. It's a wonderful song. But we also could have sung Jesus' Priceless Treasure. Um, I, I, in German, the title is um, Jesus Meine Freund, Jesus My Friend. Jesus is our priceless treasure, but he's also our friend. And here's what the last verse says. It says, hence all worldly treasure. You know, I don't need worldly treasures anymore. Jesus is my pleasure. Jesus is my choice. Hence, all empty glory, all empty glory, all the things that the world can offer us, we don't need them anymore because we have Jesus. What to me your story told with tempting voice, I can't be tempted by the world anymore because I have Jesus. It says, pain or loss or shame or cross shall not from my Savior move me since he chose to love me. Jesus chose to love me and make me and you his priceless treasure. And so he becomes our priceless treasure. Live in the joy of that this week. Live in the hope of that. Look at the world through that lens again. And money will never master you, but you will use it for the things of his kingdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you that you have done so much for us, that you left all the wealth and power and privilege and riches of heaven to come down for us and for our salvation. Jesus, help your teaching about this to, to encourage us, to challenge us, to cause us to reflect. Lord, you have given to us so much. And we want to offer back to you what is yours. We want to store up treasure in heaven so that one day when we meet you face to face, we know that it was all worth it. Everything that we gave, everything that we contributed pales in comparison to what you have done for us. 
Thank you for making your bride, your church, your priceless treasure. And may we center our lives upon you and may it affect everything. May it change everything that we do. We ask this all in the mighty name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.